Welcome to the Catapulting Commission's podcast. This is the place where we discuss how to maximize performance and improve retention with today's modern sales force. Every conversation on the show has one goal in mind, and that is to catapult your commission. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia, international best-selling author, motivational speaker, and a lifelong sales enthusiast. Be sure to join me every week as we interview sales leaders and entrepreneurs from around the world. We will discuss best practices and ensure that you leave motivated and inspired to take action. Now, let's enjoy today's episode. Catapulting Commission's family, welcome back. I'm so excited. 2021 is kicking off. And I couldn't be more excited about this year, this year's goals, this year's income, this year's revenue, and more importantly, this year's podcast guests. We have a phenomenal roster of guests lined up in 2021, New York Times bestsellers, former professional athletes, and bottom line, hardcore sales entrepreneurs that have taken their income, maximized it, duplicated, and teach others to do so. So this year's show is going to be delivering some amazing content. And one of our first guests is Colin Mitchell. Now, let me tell you a little about Colin Mitchell. Colin is the founder of Monster VoIP. He's also the podcast host of the Sales Hustle. Now, Colin, from what I've gathered, is a serial entrepreneur. We were talking before we were recording. Such an incredible mindset, so much value. One of his mottos that he talks about in his business is shifting from always be closing to always be helping. And, and to hear that perspective from someone that has achieved the level of success as Colin is pretty interesting. And we're definitely going to dive into that. But just to give you some more of his accolades, he grew his business up $5 million or grew his business to $5 million within 26 months. That's two and a half years, guys, two years and two months to be exact. And so when you hear that growth, the ability to catapult your commissions at that level is what we talk about, is who we want on this show. So I'm excited to introduce Colin, and let's kick the show off. Colin, welcome to the Catapulting Commissions podcast. Hey, uh, that's an incredible uh, intro there, Anthony. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Appreciate it, and I'm excited to just dive in and and talk about some of the topics that your guests um, will find some value in. Good, man. I appreciate it. But so let's let's jump in here. Always be closing to always be helping. I got to be honest with you, man. I just saw Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross last week for maybe the hundredth time flying back on a flight from Hawaii. It was one of the air, it was one of the movies on United Airlines and it literally was always be closing. I just laughed because that, that method, that philosophy is still spoke about today. And I mean, there's, there's sales gurus out there who teach and coach always be closing, always be closing. You made a shift to always be helping and it impacted your business. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I'd love to. So you know, uh, I'm glad that you bring this up and it, and, and there's a lot of people that sit on different sides of the fence with this. So it's a controversial topic for sure. Um, and you know, there is, like you said, a lot of people that still teach this always be closing mentality. And the fact is in my experience and what I've seen in, 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 it has been a big contributor to my success is that transition to always be helping, always be serving and having a servant heart and a servant mindset where selling is serving. And when you're serving and helping sales becomes so much easier. It's not like you're shoving deals down the pipeline that had no business being there in the first place. So yes, I'm not saying that you don't ask for the order. You got to ask for the order. 
However, if you are genuinely doing a good discovery process, if you are genuinely thinking about the person on the other side of the relationship and not just your commission check, you will be amazed at what actually happens. And the number one thing is when you really are going through that discovery process or those initial conversations in, as a seller, you do, if you do a good enough job of thinking, can I actually, what, what I do as a business, whatever your product, whatever your service is, can that genuinely help this person to a better future state, a better desired state? Is there something in their business that's impactful enough that they're going to be willing to go along this journey of change because people don't like change? And if the answer is yes, you're going to save yourself a lot of time, a lot of wasted time on deals that are you're trying to force to happen that had no business moving along in the first place. Um, also, buyers are smarter these days. Like I, I grew up in a, in a sales environment where it was always be closing. And my sales training consisted of here's the script, here's a list of names, here's a phone, don't use the CRM because it doesn't work. And here, and the script was a very traditional script. You know what I mean? Give them some warm intro, build a little bit of rapport, go into your offer. They don't buy, go into another offer. They don't buy, change the subject, warm them up and then go in for another offer. And if they don't buy, then you better get a commitment for a future order. Like that was the script, <laughs> you know? Um, and, 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 and it will take you so far. Like, I'm not saying you won't be successful with that, but, you will be limited. You will be limited on how far you can go because you're just going to be constantly chasing that next commission check, that next rush, that next sale. Um, and when you really, I'm a big believer in karma. And when you really are helping and serving, it come back, it comes back to you in a much bigger way than if you're forcing things to happen. You know, I, I like what you said there. I, I too am a believer in karma, but this, this approach you're mentioning of like servant leadership, or serving somebody, sales is service. And it is a controversial topic because there are two sides of the spectrum. Uh, my wife has a small business. We just had someone come try to sell us advertising, which was the always be closing. Everything that I would bring up, it was new offer, new offer. And with reality, right. buyers are smarter. I had done a lot of research before he had shown up. I already kind of knew where my price points were. And I really was just fact finding. Um, mm -hmm. So there was the always be closing, which is a little bit aggressive, but the always be helping there's one challenge I have with that when it's when it's uh, a sales as service, a servant leadership. Yes. And here's here's the struggle that that I've experienced, and and for those you know that are listening, I've been nearly doing sales nearly for 20 years, uh, business to consumer, business to uh, business, and some of the last years has been uh, in surgical sales and medical sales. The challenges are always there. No matter how much I want to serve, yep. I also have pressure to provide income. And the pressure to provide income is from uh, family, is from money, is from rent, it's from mortgages, whatever the situation may be. So how do you maintain that focus of servant and when you're dealing with the pressures of finances, reality, life? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And so it's, 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 it's easy to feel that pressure and feel that you got to start shoving deals down the pipe to get there. But what's interesting, when you actually are serving others, you're actually serving yourself at a higher level as well. Because when you're genuinely only helping people that you can help, and sometimes that means not helping them, 
right? Which is hard to do, right? Especially if you think you can convince or persuade them to go and buy or whatever it is, whatever your product or service is, it takes discipline to realize this is not a good deal. This is not a good opportunity. And so what you do is you end up saving yourself a lot of time of chasing those deals that never would have closed anyway. So you're only focusing on very high quality deals. You have a very accurate pipeline. You know, a lot of people are always so caught up in trying to meet their activity quota, meet their call quota, meet their, you know, opportunity pipeline quota. You know, they're all, you know, really just trying to feel, they feel that pressure that I've got to do this many calls. I got to get this many meetings. I got to get this many deals in the pipeline. And what happens is they end up with 20, 30% of the deals in their pipe that they spend and waste time on that never should have been there in the first place. And if you really focus on helping and serving others and only working with the people that you genuinely can help that actually see your value, that have something that's impactful to their business that you can help solve, you have a much more quality, a much more predictable pipeline, and it's much easier to know what you're going to make on that commission check and not feel so pressure. Because the reason that people feel that pressure is because they're unsure. They're not, they're not really, they're not really sure how much of their pipeline is valid, is actually going to close. I like that. I like that the discipline for deals or the discipline to walk away from a deal is a skill not everyone has. And the uncertainty you mentioned there at the end, it's very true. I know when, when I have uh, in, been in positions of sales leadership and have gone with my reps on field rides or have gone and had a pipeline discussion, the more uncertainty or the more lack of clarity they have on their business, the more pressure they feel. So to hear you say that is, is pretty enlightening. Now, I, as I go through this process of working with sales professionals who want to plan their business and get clarity, let's yeah. talk about 2021 for a second here. If I'm listening to this podcast and I'm saying, okay, I want 2021 to be my biggest and most successful sales year. There's a lot of things that have changed, right? We're coming off a, a, a presidential election. Don't know the results yet. We're coming off COVID. Don't know the impact yet. We're coming off social distancing. Will it still be around? We don't know yet. So there's a lot of things that we can't control. So let's talk about what we can control. How does someone who has all their income drive driven from a career in sales make 2021 their best year? What planning processes would you recommend or do you go through and, and how can someone... Uh, take some of that information from today's show and apply it. Yeah. So there's a, there's a few things that come to mind, right? So number one, all the negative stuff, all of the excuses, all of the, you know, these are real things, right? But they're things that can hold you back from being your best self to hit your goals. Right. And so number one, you got to, before you can start setting goals, you got to take a little bit of inventory, right? What was working? What was not working? What are some new things that I can try? You know, I, I'm the type of seller that if, you know, I, I, the one, the one thing as a seller, uh, as a leader or as an individual contributor, you always got to have an open mind and be willing to learn and try new things. That is one thing that is extremely important because if you think that you figured it all out, that's when you're really in trouble, right? So number one, you got to take inventory of the things that are working, that are not working, or some things that you can try, you know, new in 2021, whatever those is, whatever those are. I just had a conversation with somebody, um, you know, and he's been in sales a lot 
you know, he's only been in sales a couple of years, like nowhere near as long as I have or, or, or you have. Um, but I'm open to hearing what people have to say. And he said something interesting, you know, and I said, Hey, I'm going to try that. Right. So you got to have that sort of mindset. And I'll, I'll just to tell you what it was, it was, it was blind sending calendar invites, somebody that's in your pipeline that you've been chasing down that's warm and then just assumptively sending them an invite for a time, four or five days out on the calendar and being, you know, having, you got to nail the copy. You got to be like, Hey, been trying to get a hold of you. It looks like it's been, you know, hasn't been a good time. You said this was important because A, B, and C, I went ahead and put some time on the calendar. If that doesn't work or you want to suggest a new time, just let me know. That sounds interesting. I'm willing to try that and see how it works. Right. So that's an example. Um, but to kind of get back to your question, right? So taking inventory, number one, what's working, what's not working, what you're willing to try, and then figure out what your goal is, your big lofty goal, whatever that is, your five-year plan, your two-year plan, your one-year plan, and then you got to go backwards, right? So if you want to make X amount of dollars in commission for 2021, what is that? Like, you really got to drill it down. What does that mean per month? What does that mean per week? What does that mean per day? and break it down so you know what it is. And something that somebody um, told me not too long ago, and I feel like I knew it, but I just was, wasn't doing it, is write those down, not every day, but twice a day. Write them down. Your yearly goal, your monthly goal, your weekly goal, your daily goal. Write it down in the morning, write it down in the evening. Like there's something, a lot of people, I'm a big fan of like a, you know, a board, having it visual, looking at it, seeing it, but there's something about writing it down that really changes your relationship with really wanting to achieve that goal. Um, and so, you know, the thing is, is a lot of people have because of the election, because of COVID, because people maybe didn't hit their numbers in 2020, you know, they might have a little bit of a negative perception. They might have, you know, not, they might be feeling a little bit down. You got to put that aside because a lot of, a lot of times being successful in sales in your professional life means that you got to do some work in your personal life first. You got to have some good habits. You got to be taking care of yourself personally to be your best self professionally. And whatever that looks like, if it's eating healthy, good, getting good sleep, meditating, having some sort of spiritual practice, you know, uh, having time off to recharge, like you got to take, you're like an, it's like an, you're like an athlete. An athlete takes very good care of themselves day to day personally so that they can show up as their best self and perform on game day. And you got to view the sales the same way. I love that. It's uh, hearing you say that is so, so, so profound because I know in, in my world, you know, I've recruited and have hired former collegiate and professional athletes. And we use that analogy, but I tell everyone, and I've said it on the show and I've, I've shared the story myself. You have to take those mental health days. You have to take that mental break. You have to say, I'm going to disconnect just for a little bit because giving yourself or giving, you know, 90% effort, for 12 months is horrible as opposed to giving yourself hundred percent effort for 11 months and taking one month off or whatever the situation is. Now I want to piggyback on some of the things you said, or you talked about, you know, having 2021 taking inventory, what worked, what didn't work, uh, write down the goal, reverse engineer the goal, get clear. I like writing it down twice. That's actually the first time I've ever heard that. And, and I'm going to apply that because I, I like, you know, I have vision boards and screensavers on my phone and my computer and everything that tries to tell me, but to actually just write it down, um, I know when I write down goals, if I'm not on pace, it's like a gut check. Like, holy crap, dude, is this goal or is this a wish? Because if it's a goal and I'm behind pace, where am I at right now? And then uh, 
we'll piggyback on that Outlook invite. I think that thing is genius. I've been doing something similar to that when I was uh, actively in B2B and I would, I would Outlook invite so much. So even a follow-up, if someone said, Hey, you'll follow up. Can, when do you want me to call you? Reach out to me in, in two weeks. Perfect, man. I'll reach. And I would put it on the calendar. And sometimes you'd get the phone call. Hey man, it's not going to work, but you know what? They called me other times I'd call them and, and they'd be there. Like, hey, I was waiting for your call. You know, it, it's just utilizing technology. Um, but Colin, you, you talked about reverse engineering the goal and, and, and breaking it down to uh, what do you have to do week by week, month by month, day by day, so forth. When you're mentioning that, are you reverse engineering like the commission, the revenue, the activity? What exactly when you tell someone to reverse engineer, are, are you having them do? All of it, all of it and more and go deep, right? So not just like, hey, I want to make $200,000. So that equals this per month, per week, per day, like deeper than that. What does it take to get you there, right? You got to know, as my good friend, uh, Ryan Research says, you got to know your math of sales, right? How many conversations do you have to have to, how many, you know, how many calls do you have to make to get how many conversations, how many conversations are going to lead you to meetings and what is your percentage of meetings to demo or meetings to opportunity and what's your close rate? So you got to figure out all that. And then you got to, you know, get your, not just your big number. Cause that's what happens a lot of times is when you don't go deep and breaking it down, it's very hard to not hit it. Right. So maybe you have, a, I want to make $200,000 in commission and you break that down to monthly and then you break it down to weekly and then you break it down to daily. And then you're not keeping track of, you know, this day I hit it, this day I didn't hit it, this day I fell short, this for, you know, this day I overshot it, and then they're not recalibrating either. So that's one place where you can get in trouble, but you got to really break it down to all of your activities. What activities are going to lead you to getting the revenue or the commission that you want to and being in sticking to that, right? So how, that looks like how many phone calls or how many, you know, networking or how many people you need to meet, whatever that looks like is going to lead you to how many meetings, to how many demos, how many opportunities, and then what's your close rate. And then breaking that down based on what your average sale is or your ACV. I like that. When you're breaking it down and you're, and you're simplifying that act, that activity, you know, here's, here's the amount of calls I need to make on a daily basis, or here's what I need to do on a weekly basis. You mentioned something about recalibrating. Do, do you have a method? When does someone recalibrate if you're over a certain percentage uh, of your goal below a certain percentage of your goal, or do you just, you go at it? Like when's that incremental time to recalibrate? Cause as I hear that, I think of a new sales rep saying, Hey, you know, let's just use simple math. My, my goal is to do is to do $1.2 million a year in revenue. And in January they do 200 grand. So they're like, Oh, you know what? I don't have to do a hundred grand a month because I'm already up a hundred grand for the year. And I'm going to, take a day off. I'm going to go golfing on Friday afternoon. I'm going to do whatever it is. When do you recalibrate? Yeah. So that's a good question. And, and, and it really, you know, I'm not a fan of like making the goal so big that you then it's like not achievable. And you're like, Oh, I'm going to have to recalibrate, you know, but making those little fine tune adjustments of like, okay, this is my weekly goal. Right. And I need to hit that on a weekly basis. And, you know, based on what you hit on a daily basis, whether you hit under, underachieve or overachieve recalibrating, but still to try to get to that weekly goal. Right. So it's really important when you pick your goal, if you're, if you're a new seller and say you made a hundred thousand dollars last year for 2020, right. It's a little bit unrealistic to say, I'm going to make 200, 300, you know, thousand, you gotta, you gotta be, you gotta, you gotta really be realistic when you pick that goal and then break it down into 
you know, monthly, weekly, daily, but then also breaking down what activities you need to do in order to get there and give yourself a little bit of a buffer. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think, I think the realistic goal setting is, is more motivating than the unrealistic goal setting. Um, and, and it's often, you know, I, I struggle with this because you get new, new sales professionals that will say, Hey, I'm going to go from a hundred to 300,000. And then you get tenured sales professionals who are really good, who are like, you know what? I'm gonna go from 250. I'm gonna go to 255. I'm content. I'm happy. Like, I don't, I don't know how to get to that next level. I don't have the motivation to get to that next level, which I always believe it's, it's who your sphere of influence, who's motivating you, who coaching you. Um, And I, and I like how you said, you talked about uh, taking care of yourself first. And and part of when you say taking care of yourself first is part of who is influencing you, and that goes directly to who is um, who is going to keep you on track with realistic goal settings. For me, it's my wife. I come to my wife, and 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 you know, my wife's a small business owner. She's been in sales, but when I say, "Hey, here's what I'm trying to accomplish," she looks at me like, "How?" And if I and I write it down, I break it down, and she's like, "If she still looks at me like I'm crazy, I'm like, okay, there's some work I need to do here." Like. I haven't sold her. That's, that's really funny. Cause my wife is the same. So we started that first business together. Right. And a lot of times like, Hey, I got this new idea. I'm going to do this. and I'm going to do that. And here's the goal. And she's like, okay, but what did you do last month? What did you do last quarter? So why do you think that you're going to do that? And I'm like, okay, maybe we can scale it back just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> we are, but, we are our best pr- pr- promoters when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. She told me the other day, she's like, man, sometimes it's exhausting being, being married to a salesperson. Cause I got to sift through your bullshit sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's uh, you know funny. All right, but here's one thing that you said that I think is really important. And I want to you know touch on a, a little bit deeper, right? So part of your, you know, who's your influence, right? Who's motivating you, but also what are you taking in? right? Like, are you hanging out with the sellers in, 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 in your organization that are always complaining about management and talking about how this and that is not fair. And they always have excuses and they're never hitting goal. Or are you surrounding yourself with winners? Ooh. Are you surrounding yourself with people in your, both your professional and your personal life that are positive, that have alignment that, you know, uh, are motivated that are, you know, gonna, you know, not only just root you on, but also call you out on your, your, your crap, right? you know, like people that are going to keep you accountable. So, and also what are you consuming, right? Are you, you know, are you watching the news all day? It's going to be hard to stay positive. If you're just sitting around watching the news all day. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. And I'm glad you touched on that. And, and, you know, we hear it often, like who do you surround yourself with in your sales company, in your sales environment? And, and I, I go and I tell people like, Hey, your perceptions, your reality. So if you sit around people are like, hey, this comp plan sucks, this quota sucks, blah, blah, blah. And you spend more time looking up the next sales job, the next sales comp plan, as opposed to learning how to master your own, then that's your reality. And and I, I think a lot of that goes to the surrounding environments, who's there. But it's one of the things that nobody really likes to talk about and admit. There's mm-hmm. adversity in sales. Point blank, yeah. bottom line. We're told no more than we're told yes. Yep. On the labor board, according to U.S. Labor Board statistics, sales professionals turn over, essentially one out of three sales professionals turn over every year. And millennial sales professionals, if you're a millennial or you're, you manage the sales team of millennials, chances are 51% of millennial sales professionals within the first two years of one sales job have already interviewed for the next sales job with a different company because they're always looking for that instant gratification, that instant fix, looking for something. So I, I like how you say to to who's influencing you, who's surrounding you. 
How do you build that in your own business, your own life? I mean, do you just go to somebody and say, hey, man, you know, I like you, I want to be close to you, or do you just try to provide value? I mean, how does that conversation start as a new person to get surrounded by, you know, some of the high flyers? Yeah, so I will push back on one thing. I would venture to say that those, some of those people you're talking about, they are not sales professionals. They might have a selling job, Ooh. but I wouldn't consider them sales professionals. So what you'd want to do is you want to surround yourself with real sales professionals, people that, you know, love the craft, people that are always open to getting better, people that are, you know, going to provide you good feedback, people that are going to call you out on stuff, you know, people that are willing to help, people that are positive, right? So if you have people that are not positive in your life, whether that, and you know what, this is, this is a personal thing, you know, you got to really, you know, consider some things. Sometimes that might be family. You got somebody in your family that you're hanging around. That's just always negative, always talking crap, always, you know, complaining. You might want to limit the amount of time you spend around those people, you know, and it all depends. How far do you want to go? You know, is that 200, is that 100 a year, 200 a year, 250? Is that, is that what you're comfortable with? Or do you want to go further? And if you want to go further, you got to take a lot of things really seriously. And, and one part of that is taking care of yourself personally, surrounding yourself with the right people and making sure that you're in a good mindset to be your best self when you show up to sell. Hey, I wanted to take a quick minute and interrupt this episode. I hope you're enjoying what you have heard thus far. Have you heard the good news? The international best-selling book, Catapulting Commissions, has been named a 2021 Selling Power Magazine book recommendation. And I want to thank you, the Catapulting Commissions family. You can claim a free copy by texting hello to 661-228-8967. You can also find out more information at catapultingcommissions.com. Okay, let's get back to the show. I love that, man. Absolutely agree with that 100%. Family sometimes can be the, can, can, you know, they're the hardest people to recognize when they're, when they have a negative impact. My, you know, fun, fun fact, my, my mother retired after a long career of state service and became a real estate agent. Last year was her first year and she, uh, or 2019 was her first, first year. And I think she, two or three homes and she only worked like six months of the year and was, uh, uh, you know, was, was getting some negative pushback from family and like, why are you doing this? You know, the real estate industry is brutal. My mom is, you know, she's a tr- typical, like loving mother, doesn't have an aggressive killer bone in her body, but was getting pushback from family. We're saying, you know, you can't, you're, you're not going to be successful if you're not going to get hungry, if you're not going to be rude, if you're not going to be ruthless. And she called me and she shared that with me. And I, I lost it. I, I was like, mom, who, who said this? She shared with me. It was a family member. I'm like, first of all, and I, and I, I, I very rarely do this. I'm like, mom, you could tell that family member, I have lost more in sales than they have sold in their whole life. And I completely disagree with how they're saying. I was so defensive because they, they were impacting my mom. And I was like, no, mom, we're going to, me and you are going to talk on a weekly basis. I'm going to coach you. Not I'm going to give you the skills. It's just a mindset, mom. Embrace who you are. Own it. I'm so pumped. My mom called me yesterday. 2020 was her greatest year ever. She has one more deal to close, which will be like her 13th deal for the year, which I told her, you know, she's like, there's people doing 20, 30, 40. I'm like, mom, you went from three to 13. Like, then that's, that's massive. Yeah. That is a massive in, in a, growth in a, t- in a tough market. Absolutely. So yeah, that family thing of who's influencing you is huge. And, and I, I, I'll, I acknowledge that pushback. There's sales professionals. There's people who work a, a job in sales um, that, that don't fully understand, you know, 
this is a constant education. I mean, I, one of the, one of my selfish plugs with the podcast is I meet such amazing guests like yourself and, and, and we have dialogue and we have feedback and I always take something and I've had people challenge my thoughts or my beliefs and I'm never like defense, like, Oh, I'm right. You're wrong. I'm like, Huh? Where did that come from? Like I'm mm. open to change. I'm open to learning. I embrace some of the fail, not some of them. I embrace all the failures that come because it's always an opportunity to yeah. learn. So I, I dig what you're saying there, my man. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's, you know, my good friend, Jason Cutter, uh, wrote a book, authentic persuasion. And he says the difference is order takers and quota breakers. <laughs> that's the difference between somebody in sales and a real sales professional, in my opinion. Right. So Hey, there's, there's a place for order takers, you know, order takers are okay. If it's a commoditized business and you know, that there's, that's, it's more of a customer service driven type of role. Quota breakers are fine. You know, they're typically very people pleasing people. Um, but quota breakers are people that are willing to push the limits that are will the people that are willing to, you know, go deep in that discovery to, and, and, and understand their value when you're serving, when you're, when you're serving that, you know, when you're se selling is serving for you, you understand your own value and you're only willing to go along the sales journey with people that you feel appreciate it uh, and, and, and actually need the help. And you're willing to push back to get them to go along that journey with you. And that's a big difference. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I love that. There's sales uh, order takers and quota breakers. I, I'm going to use that and I'm going to, I'm going to get that book authentic persuasion because I'm definitely going to steal from the best with pride. I'm going to share that with my team because there, <laughs> there's, there's a truth. That is, there's so much truth and so much value there. But let, let's talk about the quota breakers, right? People making yeah. that transition. And, and in, this, in this always be helping method we've discussed, the sales is service. What's the one mistake like in their sales process that you see people break down? Like where's the, where's the chink in their armor where, hey, here's where you're messing up. Here's where you're, you're losing the, I always want to be helping versus I, I want to be overclosing. Like what's that fine line where people, where people typically fail or fall? Yeah, I'll tell you, it's the discovery. The okay. discovery makes and breaks people because a good, 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 deep discovery, you know that they need your help or they don't. And if they don't, you need to disqualify them early, right? Which is going to save you a lot of time that you're going to waste because this is where a lot of people fall short, right? Maybe somebody comes in, it's an inbound lead, it's an outbound lead. They're like, yeah, we're looking into this. This is great timing. And they're like, Woohoo! I'm going to get this sale. Right. But they don't go deep on the discovery to qualify them properly. And then maybe they had good rapport. They're jiving. They like the same sports team. And they're like, Oh yeah, this guy's ordering for sure. There's, there's no chance he's going anywhere. He's going with us. Right. But they didn't do a proper discovery and they're thinking just cause they like them or they built rapport. That's a good qualified opportunity in their pipe. And that's wrong. A good, like people. Yes. People buy from people. So, you know, if you're likable, that helps. But that is not the reason why they're going to buy from you. They're going to buy from you if you can help them, if you can solve something, if you can take them to a better future, you know, state, whatever that is, through your product and services, the vehicle to getting them there. That's why people buy from you. So if you don't do a good proper discovery, you're going to have a pipeline that is very uncertain and not very predictable. And you're not going to know what are your good prospects, your good quality, qualified prospects versus ones that aren't. And they're in there just because, you know, maybe you jived with them. So the discovery is key because that's going to keep a good, healthy pipe. You know, you're going to know that the people in there are highly qualified to be there 
and you can, you know, you can spend the time and the energy to get them to go along that journey with you. So there's huge advantages to doing a good quality discovery and it helps you along the sales process, right? Everything that you do after the discovery or the qualification call, whatever you want to call it, everything you do in that call is important because you're framing everything after that based on that conversation, because people forget things. You're going to need to remind them why they're doing this because people don't like to change. And that's based on you doing a good deep discovery, understanding not just the problem, but the impact, how that impacts them personally, professionally, their department, their company as a whole, and being able to use that as the driver to keep them moving forward. Yeah, I, I dig that. The discovery process, and everyone has a different name for it, right? But essentially, that does set it up. And and to hear you say that's where people make mistakes, I, I think about early part of my career where I would say if, uh, you know, we've heard before, people buy stuff from people they like you know, and trust, you know, if someone likes me and trust me, they're gonna buy my product. And it's like a false sense of confidence as a sales rep that you've done a good job when reality, you're, you're, you're just no different. You're no different than the person they get coffee from who waves and says, hi, has a good conversation. Did you see the game last night? I mean, there's no, there's nothing different between you and that person. So to hear that, um, I like when you're doing a discovery and you identify a problem, how do you, do you try to quantify that problem for your prospects? Definitely. Yeah. Like what is, what is that? How does that problem impact your business or your department or you personally? Is it holding them back from hitting a bigger overarching goal? Is it, you know, wasting a lot of time in their particular department? Is it causing frustration because whatever solution that they have that's similar to yours isn't working, right? Like what is it, you know, what is it, you know, there's two things, there's two things that are most important to everybody, right? Their time and their money, right? So how is it, how is it impacting those things? And what does it mean? Not, and not just what does it mean, right? How is it impacting? But what does it mean if, to them if they don't solve it, if they don't fix it, if they do nothing? And getting them to let you know what that is so you can remind them, hey, if we don't do this, remember, this is, this is what we discussed. Yeah, the, the time and money thing and, and, and quantifying that, um, as I've evolved in my career in sales, and you know, I started direct to consumer with you know, direct sales organization, spent, you know, almost four and a half years in B2B and, and have now been in, in surgical sales and contract negotiations, that really never changes, right? Time, money. Can I save you time? Can I save you money? Can I quantify the problem? From simple as, you know, I mean, and I, I shared, you know, with Pride, I started selling Cutco Cutlery a long time ago, right? Can my knife help you? And, and can, can I make it more comfortable and easy for you? And then, you know, where I started working in payroll services and I started uh, in, in the medical field, you know, can this change the way you do your practice? Can this make life easier? And so when, when we get bigger deals and in the world of B2B, right, as you start to get these bigger deals, that discovery process, I found that people get nervous. People forget the fundamentals because it might be the biggest deal. It might be the one that's going to hit your quota for the year. And you forget all the fundamentals and you try to become a salesperson instead of being a sales servant. You, 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 do you see that at all? Do you, do you hear that at all? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So lots of people, actually most people, I'll just be honest. Most people suck at discovery. Most people do. Uh, especially if it's an inbound lead, they're like, Hey, they came to us. They want what we have. So they go straight to features and benefits, right? Um, we're going to save you this amount of money. 
uh, we're going to solve this for you. We have this and that and this and that, and they don't care about any of that, right? Sometimes they just want the simple version of like, how is this going to help me? How, what, how is this going to solve the current problem? So, you know, even on our, like, for example, you know, just to give you an example, even on our inbound, you know, one of our, our inbound forms that we use, it's like, what problem are you trying to solve? Like, we want to know that upfront right away, because we're going to frame the conversation around that. Um, and, you know, frankly, you know, if, if price is the only thing, those deals don't spend a lot of time. on. Now I'm not saying don't take them. I'm not saying don't put them in the pipe. I'm not saying don't move forward with them because sometimes price is, you know, it's painful enough where like they really need to save money if the deal's big enough and the savings that you're providing them is maybe, you know, impactful enough to help, you know, improve their, their, their margins as a business or whatever the case is. But price is not the best motivator. Price is important, but you know, price is not the, you know, it's typically, you got to be solving something for them. Those are bigger motivators than price. People will pay more for a product or service if they value whatever it is that you're solving for them. People will pay more for your product and service. If they feel like you're the best fit, you're going to provide the most value. You're going to solve that problem better than other people for them. I experienced this just the other day. I had a call with, with, with a prospect and, you know, I still, you know, being a founder, like I still actively sell because I love it. I just love it. I cold call at least two to three times a week. I do because I enjoy it. Um, and so I was on a call with a prospect the other day and she had already looked at three other options and we were about, I think 30% more, but she was going with us because, because we went deep on the discovery and because she felt that we were going to be the best suited to solve their problem. I love that. You saying that and hearing that goes to show that price isn't always the answer. And, and, and just solving a problem and having that confidence that you can solve a problem is, is key. I, uh, you know, I mentioned my wife's business earlier when we, we hired an architect to, to draw the designs. She has a, owns an eyelash studio here in Bakersfield where we live. And when we had a, hired an architect, we interviewed three architects. We ended up hiring the one that was the most expensive because they created the best plan and they identified all the problems, all the concerns. The other guys like, I can do everything she said, but, you know, the other, the lower man said, I can do everything that the bigger guy's doing for you, but didn't spend the time to really make me feel comfortable that, that he could solve that problem. And, and, and hearing the inbound leads mess up, you know, it's funny. Uh, I, I don't know if you know anybody who sells timeshares, right? Like the, the timeshare salespeople. But I, I have a guy that sells timeshares uh, in Cabo San Lucas in Mexico. He sold me my timeshare. I ended up being his second or third sales. And this is, you know, five, six years ago. And I go back every year because I love the place. And I've developed a friendship with this guy. We've gone deep sea fishing and, and, you know, share with him my book and he'll ask questions. And one of the things that he said that really changed his closing percentage and changed it is he tells people straight up, hey, are you here to learn about the property resort? Or are you here to get the free fishing trip or the free massage that was promised to you by the front. And he says, when people say, Hey, I'm here for the free, uh, from the free stuff. He says, okay. He says, look, in order for you and me to have a dialogue that is meaningful, you know, we have to spend 90 minutes together for, for whatever the agreement is. If you want me to just rush through it and so we can get to the end, I can do that. Or if you really want to kind of want to hear things out, let me know. And, and we'll, it'll spend a little bit more time. But by simply saying that up front and just getting it all on the cards, I loved, I loved hearing him say, he's like, my closing percentage is 10 times higher because people who are genuinely interested just say, Hey man, I am. And people who are there for, you know, to not really waste my, that are there for like the freebie. I know it. 
I run through it and they are the ones that turn around and start saying, well, hey, you didn't tell me about this. You didn't tell me about that. And so he kind of takes that decision away, but sets a huge discovery. So uh, I love hearing you say that from inbound. Yeah. And see, that's, that's the thing, right? So if you're, if, if some it's, it's whatever your product or service, let's say if it's B2B, right. And (sighs) price is the only thing, you know, I'm not saying don't take those deals, right? Like, Hey, if you can save them money, great. Don't spend a lot of time on those deals, you know, give them what they need, give them the price and move on. Almost like they don't even, you know, they don't even, they're not even part of the qualified pipe. Right. So you have, you know, if you're, if you have a CRM, which you should, you should be able to identify like, Hey, the probability of what's in your pipe, the ones that are price motivated only should have a very low probability in your pipe. The ones that you went deep in discovery, they have a problem. You can solve it. You're best suited. Those are a higher probability. Those are the high qualified ones that you're going to want to, you know, go the extra mile, you know, do a video, get personal, you know, spend a lot of time with them. Um, those are the deals that are, you know, more important and have a much higher likelihood of closing. Yeah, oh man, I love it, dude. I, I can I can pick your brain and, and talk this stuff all day long because when you move people between hot, warm, and, and what you do, and it, you know, to who's who's ready to buy, who's not ready to buy, where you spend your time. I mean, we talk about saving time and money for our process, but as a sales professional, our time is our most valuable resource. So if I'm going to spend my time with somebody who's not going to move the needle, dude, I'm just going to gonna go bananas on that. Um, all right, man, we're, we're, we're wrapping up here. We're, you know, we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to, we're finishing this interview shortly, but I got to pick your brain on a few more things here before we finish up. Colin, what is the number one? And this is, is, is something that, you know, I'm starting to get my guests to discuss and open. What's the biggest sales mistake you've made in your career that really transitioned and changed the way you do business? I think I have an idea, but let, let's just, let's just talk it up a little. All right. So biggest mistake is two. Th- well, there's two things. One is, but it all was in, they're both in discovery of doing a crappy discovery job. And there's two deals that I remember. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm stubborn, like a lot of salespeople. And sometimes, you know, you and I can talk here for hours and tell people that do this and don't do that. And there's a lot of people that are still going to do the exact opposite until they experience it firsthand. And that's okay. Hopefully you, hopefully it's not too costly, right? So uh, uh, let me give you these examples. So discovery, not making sure that you have all of the proper stakeholders to make the decision on the deal from the beginning. And this is hard for a lot of people because they think, oh, they're an influencer. We had a great conversation. They like me, but are they going to be a good champion when the decision maker is involved to decide, right? Or are you just another name on a piece of paper with a number, right? So you've got to make sure you have all the proper stakeholders. I lost a deal that was worth hundreds of thousands of dollars because I didn't make sure that I had the proper stakeholders involved from the very beginning. Um, now, uh, and, 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 and I've also made other mistakes in the discovery process where I didn't go deep on finding the problem. Didn't go deep on finding the problem. And, you know, it was strictly on price. And, uh, you know, thought that the deal had legs and it should have never been in the pipe in the first place. So it all falls back to discovery. There's tons of things and mistakes that you can make in discovery. And sometimes you're not going to do discovery differently, or you're not going to take discovery seriously until it really hits, it affects your wallet and you feel it and it's painful. 
dude, I love, I love that because we are stubborn. And I think about some of the greatest lessons I've made. I've had to make them myself because, you know, a younger 20 something version of myself was like, oh, I can do it better. And then you make the same mistake someone told you not to avoid, but you've learned the lesson. So if you're that person, it happens. But I will tell you this, as I've gotten older and as I started listening and collaborating and working with people like yourself and, and I have an executive coach now and, and I've shortened so many learning curves and so many mistakes. So to hear your mistakes, the discovery is key shallow in identifying the problem is always going to be an issue. And that problem that, uh, that stakeholder identification, the decision maker identification. Oh man, it's difficult. It's almost nerve wracking because you feel like I spent time with somebody. And then when mm -hmm. you realize they're not the stakeholder, they're not the decision maker, it's mm -hmm. a hard conversation to go back to your sales manager. Be like, Hey, I spent all these resources and I haven't met the right person yet. Mm, yeah. And another one is not having a good upfront contract, right? You know, that's, that's really key. And, and, and most people don't even know what that means. Like you got to be willing to say, Hey, Anthony, at any point in time on this journey that we go along together, cause I understand change is uncomfortable. If you decide it's not a right fit for you or that we're not the best option, I'm a big boy. Uh, you know, let me know. You're not going to hurt my feelings because people don't like telling people no, and people don't like conflict. So you might have good rapport. They might've got their budget slashed. They might be concerned for whatever reason they might be, you know, uh, they might not, they might be a little confused about something. You just got to let them know, Hey, at any point, this doesn't look like a fit. Let me know. I'm okay with that. Cause there's lots of people that could use my help and I'd rather focus my energy on those who actually, you know, need it at this time. Dude, I like that. That accountability you set by having the correct contract up front is probably the reason you've been successful as you have been, because you really do hold people accountable to doing what they say they're going to do. And you give somebody an out like, Hey, if I can't hold the mind of the bargain, I'm just going to tell you now. So, so I like that. Dude, Colin, how do people learn more about you? How do people learn more about the sales hustle? Where, where can someone connect with you? Yeah. I mean, LinkedIn is really the best spot. I'm super active on LinkedIn. I'm on other social media as well, but LinkedIn is definitely my playground. You know, 80, 90% of my time is of social media is on there. And then they can check out my podcast, which is on all the platforms uh, called sales hustle. Um, and yeah, those are really the best two spots to connect, to find out more about what I'm doing. Awesome, buddy. Well, I appreciate your time today, Colin. I think, uh, with all honesty, man, you're being one of my first guests in 2021, dude, you have set the bar high for the <laughs> catapulting commissions podcast. So thank you for joining today. Catapulting commissions family, dude, go connect with Colin sales hustle. So you'll find all those links in the show notes. If you're listening to the podcast, if you're watching the YouTube video, it'll be in the comments and the links below. And always be sure to subscribe, leave us a comment. We love hearing the feedback. Colin likes hearing the feedback and I will see you guys next week. Thanks again. Catapulting Commissions family, that does it for today's episode. If you found some value, please be sure to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. Don't forget to subscribe. That way you're notified of new episodes. If you want to see the video portion of this podcast, head over to YouTube and look up Catapulting Commissions Podcast. Finally, if you want a free copy of Catapulting Commissions, be sure to text the word HELLO to 661-228-8967. Again, text the word HELLO to 661-228-8967. Thanks for listening to the show. I'll see you next week.